you, you sound crystal clear. I mean, clearer than I've ever heard you. So. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I don't know you what You sound pretty clear, too. Cool. Yeah, I think... I don't know. I'm running a 64-bit operating system with you know Windows 10 as before. I was running a 32-bit operating system, which meant that I wasn't fully utilizing all the capabilities of my microprocessor. Right. Yeah. So now. Okay. I'll take your word for it that that's what that means. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know. I know. You know, uh, I think before we start the show, I'm just want I just want to insert some um, audio here that says this episode of a slippery slope is going to deal with Twin Peaks: The Return, Episode Nine. And for anybody who's I, out there who is worried that we're not going to ever talk about anything else, don't worry. This is just a special Twin Peaks episode. We will have regular shows where we talk about other things and other things that we're doing and other things that we're watching. It's just this happens to be a special Twin Peaks edition. Yeah. By the way, I call it part nine because that's what they call it online. They don't call it episode nine or or anything. And so and the reason I I do that is because since we call our episodes episodes. Oh, good point. It kind of helps it keep that straight. So this will be uh, a slippery slope episode 47. Yes. Episode 47 of a slippery slope. Talking about part nine of Twin Peaks, The Return. Perfect. I like your nomenclature. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't, you know, I, I get, I'm anal about things, even though I don't think of myself as an anal person. Well, you know what I mean. Oh, anyway. Oh. Arr, 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 arr. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> oh, Sammy. But, uh, <laughs> you beat me to the punch, except I was going to, oh, Lodger. but anyway um i had some pre kind of pre episode things related to twin peaks me too okay all right why don't you start well uh, first one so you know we had that two-week gap between part eight and part nine um, yes and and, and during that time i watched wild at heart yes oh okay cool and i I hadn't watched it for quite a while, a long time. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I didn't really like it. You know, when it came out, it came out while Twin Peaks was still on the air. I think it came out in the in the during the break between season one and season two. And um, or or maybe during season two. I'm not sure. I know we all went and saw Wild at Heart thinking we were going to get clues about uh, Twin Peaks in it. But of course, there <laughs> were none. What the hell were um, you thinking? <laughs> yeah, I know. But I there was a couple oh, things wow. that were interesting. One was. There's a scene in there in Wild at Heart. I don't even remember where it is now. Oh, it, they're in a hotel. I think it's uh, Laura Dern's mom, uh, Diane Ladd, and Harry Dean Stanton are in this hotel. And there's an old guy. It's the old. I'm pretty sure it's the same old guy that's in the bank vault in the last uh, episode of season two of Twin Peaks. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, he plays like a guy who works in the hotel. Okay. Shuffling around doing his old man shuffle. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Now I got to see it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just for that. The other thing that was funny was, um, you know, um, Willem Dafoe plays a character called Bobby Peru. Yes. And he's kind of a sleazy guy. And mm-hmm. at a certain point, at the be- at, right when he first meets Laura Dern and Nicolas Cage, uh, he, he says... I don't even remember what the reference is, but he says, One-Eyed Jack's got a yearning to go a-peeping in a seafood store. <laughs> right. I remember that line. That's a very so, memorable line. Yes. Right. I love and it. And so, you know, I never, I guess, 
the name One-Eyed Jacks for the whorehouse in Twin Peaks is a reference to a penis. Yes, I think that's probably a pretty good uh, bet for sure. And I just totally, you know, I, I don't know if I remembered that. Obviously, I, I, when I first saw the movie, I probably thought that, but I've just never heard anyone refer to a penis as one-eyed jack. <laughs> I've heard one-eyed wonder worm and one-eyed wiggly worm and some other stuff, but never one-eyed jack. Uh-huh. But That's yeah, funny. I just, I'm not a big fan of Wild at Heart. I didn't, okay. I didn't care for it. Bobby Peru has a lot of good lines. He does. He's an interesting character. And there is a scene Remember? where he's in the hotel room alone with Laura Dern. That's really <laughs> you disturbing. beat me to it. You beat me to yeah. it. What does he say? Did you hear that sound, that big old sound coming out of Bobby Peru? That, Something like that. After he, yeah. he uses the bathroom yeah. and you can hear, you can audibly hear him pissing. Yes, he doesn't close the door, and she's, you know, right. in a motel room. It's right there. Mm-hmm. The bathroom's right there, yeah. It's really, you yeah, know, he's creepy in it. He's very creepy, and his teeth are ground down to mere nubs. Yeah, I don't know what that's all about either. That's I don't I mean, know. Obviously, it's some kind of prosthetic thing he wears or something. But well, yeah, just, I'm pretty know, sure Willem Dafoe doesn't. <laughs> just like the guy in Fargo, I'm I'm pretty sure that those they they had some weird shit on um uh whatever the actor's name is who played uh Varga. Yeah, David had, Thewlis. Yes, David Thewlis. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. While at Heart's yeah. good. It's very, it's it's classic Lynch, you know, a lot of the scenes. I mean, scenes. yeah, mm-hmm. I, I wrote, uh, when I was watching, I was like, okay, so there's two Lynches. There's like the dark Lynch mm-hmm. and there's like the industrial Lynch. And <laughs> and mostly, most of the time you get dark Lynch and I like the dark Lynch. I'm not such a big fan of industrial Lynch and, and Wild at Heart, it's like, I think is most, I mean, it, to me, it's like even more industrial than Eraserhead. It's just got a lot of loud music in it and it's, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's just, and you know, I, I guess it's supposed to be troubling, but it's just kind of troubling and it, it grates on your nerves and it's irritating. <laughs> I Everything about it bugs me. I, I like Nicolas mm. Cage, but I don't like him in that, doing the Elvis thing and the snakeskin oh. jacket and the, right. and the, and the um, references to Wizard of Oz and uh-huh. Elvis. All those things just, uh, none of that appeals to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. It's maybe it's a little too macho for your liking. Well, yeah, I think it's too. You know, I I like I like dark and mysterious, and mm-hmm. there's it's not really mysterious in any way. It's just kind of dark and grating, and and graphic in parts. Yeah, which that you know I, that doesn't really bother me. Also, I think the story's kind of dumb. <laughs> I, I you well, know I mm. I don't know. It, I think people who like it like. Uh, you know, are the same kind of people who like uh, horror films and Nine Inch Nails and and just stuff that I don't normally like. Oh, okay, I don't know. yeah, I see Maybe what I'm you're saying. A little yeah. too much. Now I understand what you're saying. The dark Lynch and then the industrial Lynch, and this is the gritty. Is that what you mean when you say industrial? You mean gritty? Yeah, I think so. Gritty and kind of grating and loud and okay, you know, yeah, like kind- Eraser had has some of that in it, but it also yeah. has a lot of dark and mysterious in it too. And I mean, okay, uh, tw- yeah. So you, I think you kind of like the Twin Peaks. That's kind of a idealized world with a dark underbelly, and you, but you don't like when the underbelly is pulled up to the surface and the whole thing is an underbelly. I guess you could say that, yeah. And then, yeah. There, and there's a little bit of goodness underneath the surface instead of right. the other way around. Okay, right. I think I've gotten to the heart of what you like 
about David Lynch. <laughs> I certainly, I definitely, and we'll, I'll talk a little bit more about some other things here um, before we really get into the episode. But yeah, definitely, okay. it's the mysterious. The mysterious Lynch is the Lynch that a- appeals to me, fascinates me. Mm. I find, I, you know, I can't. Sometimes I can't stop thinking about it. Okay. Well, then the, the, this new iteration of uh, Twin Peaks might um, be slightly problematic because there's a lot of grittiness in big parts of it, but it still has the same, but it still has all the mystery. Yeah. Yeah. There, you like, know, I mean, I think there are parts that I don't like that are kind of the grittiness, but right. there's so much mystery in it. It's just like the thing yeah. in the very first episode. I don't know why I keep. I keep thinking about that box in that, you know, that's the big part of the first episode, right? Um, that big glass box. And it's like, you know, that that whole storyline just kind of bugs me because it just doesn't make well, any sense still, but it might eventually. The big, and, I, But I think the big box has already served its purpose and may not ever be brought up ever again. Well, I read something online about someone. I can't remember what, what it was in reference to now, but mm. they... Something got referenced in episode nine that some people were some fan theories were that it was a reference to a rich person and that rich person may be the person who paid for the box and the box to be monitored. And now I can't remember what that theory, who that person was or where they were mentioned or what the theory was. Mm -hmm. But so, you know, it's just like we got to episode nine and Matthew Lillard came back and I thought maybe we were done with him. You never know when Lynch is going to refer back to something. Well, that's the amazing thing. I mean, all of a sudden his character becomes front and center to the huge arc in the story. Part of the whole Major Briggs arc. But, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Matter of fact, that five minutes with Matthew Lillard compacted more information in it than the entire episode. The entire eight episodes. Yeah, well, that's probably true. I mean, that's, I mean, it. You're right. It damn near gave away the entire uh, series. Right, yeah. (laughs) Sort of. Yeah. But we will will get to that. I mean, damn. Yes. His character said so much principal principal Hastings. Hastings. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh. Just real. Qu- one other quick thing on on Wild at Heart. Uh. Mm-hmm. When the credits were rolling, I noticed uh there was a song in Wild at Heart by the composer Pendrecki, who composed the music that was in episode eight. Yes. That three. What is was it called? Threnody for us. Threnody for the victims of Hiroshima. Yeah. So it's ne- so that wasn't the first time Lynch had used oh. that composer. So they have a history together. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So that was interesting. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Oh, and one thing I wanted to bring up before we got into our exposition of part nine of Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. I think we are. We probably had this conversation, but I wanted to give it to the listeners as well. I was talking about that, you know, I because you had watched Firewalk with me very recently, I decided I think I probably better because maybe it'll help open up some windows for me of, of memory so that I, I don't feel like there, there are bits and chunks of uh, information missing. And uh, when I was watching Fire Walk With Me, and, and I know we had a conversation about Donna and how she was such a goody two-shoes, and I kind of bristled at that, and I said, well, I don't know, because she uh, went with Laura to uh, One-Eyed Jacks, which wasn't true. It was actually they went to the Roadhouse, which, by the way, is a separate place from the Bang Bang Bar. Matter of fact... It's- 
the roadhouse <laughs> the roadhouse is in canada kind of like one eye jacks is in canada as well oh interesting and so when laura and donna went to the roadhouse and you know laura took her top off and was dancing and and i said that you know donna was taking part in all of that altogether but what i forgot was the fact that she had been her drink had been drugged and she was completely out of it and didn't even realize that she was laying on a table with her top off and some guy was you know kissing all over her and stuff and at the same time um Laura is sitting in a booth with her friend uh Ronette Pulaski yeah Ronette Pulaski are sitting in a booth together and a guy is underneath the table performing oral sex on Laura and then Laura sees that um Donna is being ravished by this guy on top of a table and she screams and you know runs over there and you know puts clothes back on to Donna and they get the hell out of here and the next day Donna remembers none of it so you were correct in saying that Donna was a goody two shoes. The mistake that I, she the mistake I didn't even she, realize that she got drugged though. I don't think I yeah. snapped or saw that or whatever. Interesting. Right. And so the fact that you said she was a goody two shoes is completely correct. This is probably I don't know how I don't know how many episodes ago this was that we were talking about this. Right, yeah. Anyway. And one other thing, and we talked about this, you know, privately, but I think the listeners should know this. But uh, in the credits of Fire Walk With Me, it had um, in the so-called convenience store upper room or this room where the, the man from another place, the the arm was at. And there were other creepy characters in there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one one of the characters in there was played by uh, Jürgen Prochnow, who is, I guess, a famous Swedish or something actor and he was playing the role of uh, woodsman right which, which refers to in the last episode episode uh, eight that we saw when we saw the uh, I guess the genesis of the woodsman during the the latter part of that of episode eight well and it's s- interesting that you bring that up because that's that's kind of the second thing I wanted to talk about before we delved into episode nine. Oh, okay if you're it was that as far as you were going with that part of the story about fire walk with me i think so except for the fact that uh jürgen prock now wasn't the only person playing a woodsman woodsman there was another actor whose name i did not recognize that was playing second woodsman and so we have and it, in that same scene in that same scene there were two woodsmen in that weird room and mm. yeah so so that's that so that would be the first time that the woodsmen were ever mentioned in the twin peaks universe though in a very small small way that wouldn't even been noticeable unless i happened to just look at the credits to see what was what and so right. yeah yeah i i i saw a little bit about that online this week because mm-hmm. of uh because of the last episode i and again having some free time since we waited two weeks for a new episode i kind of did a little more hunting around online for stuff than i normally would mm-hmm. and so i saw something where someone was talking about that character in that scene being called the woodsman jürgen Prochnow or however you say his name yeah um I mean, the- but i go ahead i'm sorry <laughs> Like the only thing he does in that entire scene is slap his knee in reverse. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They <laughs> they don't really do anything. They're uh, just there. Right. Just there. But what? So one of the things that I found while I was poking around online was uh, I was on YouTube and I think I was actually looking at some other things on YouTube. But you know how YouTube has this list of videos you might be interested in, and mm-hmm. I guess since I look at Twin Peaks stuff sometimes. 
it had some Twin Peaks stuff. And one of them was, uh, you know, there's a, a thousand people who are doing recaps of Twin Peak episodes on YouTube and stuff. Yes. But one of the headlines caught my eye because it said something like the woodsman in part eight explained or uh, the their the secret or I, of the woodsman or some crazy thing, you know, some headline that drew you into watching the video. Uh huh. So the person who made the video, his name is Pete Pepper, and apparently he's made several videos talking about the new series. Mm-hmm. But um, so what what he told in this episode that was really kind of fascinating is, you know, yeah. Mark Frost, who created the show and has written the show with Lynch, uh, wrote a book called The Secret History of Twin Peaks that they put out right before the series started. The new series started. Oh, and it's OK. It's called The Secret History of Twin Peaks, a novel. But um, so this guy, Peter Pepper, Pete Pepper, showed some pages from that book. And, and there's a story in that book about in 1902, there was supposedly a battle for dominance of the region around Twin Peaks involving mm-hmm. the, the, the Martell, which is like Pete Martell and Catherine Martell, you know, right. the Martells and the Packards. For, oh. for the dominance of logging in the Twin Peaks area. But this would be in their family history. So supposedly those families have been battling as for logging rights and, and stuff like that since the 1800s. Okay, interesting. So there was a time in 1902 where they were both producing, I guess they were both producing a lot of lumber and several logs jammed the water there in Twin Peaks. And it looks like it's that river that leads to the waterfall by the hotel. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's even a picture in this book that Mark Frost wrote that kind of shows a bunch of logs jamming the water. And then uh, it also says and then it's like a newspaper story or something that says on February 24th in 1902. And that's an interesting date because February 24th is also the date that Laura Palmer died. Oh, that. In wow. 1902, on that date, there there was a fire started on the river with all the lumber, and six men died in that fire, and mm. then two more were injured and died late days later. So there were eight guys who were all oh. working in the lumber company, eight woodsmen mm-hmm. is what they called them. And then he showed the scene from part eight where the where the guys are walking out inside in front of the convenience store. Uh-huh. And he stop, stops it, and you count, and there's eight guys there. Oh, so wow! He, his his theory is that the woodsmen that we see in episode eight that come down, and the one that takes over the radio station, and all that, are somehow related to these guys who died in a fire in 1902. So that's why they're all smoky looking, right? Yeah, have soot or ash or whatever it is that's on them. And yeah. and now it makes more sense why the guy keeps asking, got a light? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe so. <laughs> wow. Although you'd think he'd be like, fire bad! But <laughs> <laughs> well, at this point, you know, I don't think fire going to hurt him anymore. Right, yeah, that's so true. It's just kind of um, a, a fire reference. That's so weird. Damn, that's cool. Right. Yeah, it was a really interesting. So, of course, immediately I got on uh, Amazon and and ordered a copy of the book um, because I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to. Sounds like there's a lot of interesting stuff in this book. Uh, you yeah, know. no kidding. So it's I, like I, shit. I went ahead and ordered it. So I'll, if I read it between over the next few episodes, I may bring up some things that I find in there that are interesting. So well, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Shit, and, damn. Yeah. Who who knew you'd have to grab from so many different sources to make any sense of what's going on? 
Right. I also <laughs> saw Mark Fr- Mark Frost also has written another book called Twin Peaks: The Final Dossier that is coming out in October after this series ends. Whoa. Um, okay. So wonder what that's going to be. So hmm. um, it's interesting. And the only other thing this guy said in that video that I thought was kind of interesting is the log lady's husband was also a logger who died in a fire. Oh, damn. There's some interesting, you know, again, this is the kind of shit I love about this this (laughs) series. You know, it's just it's Mm -hmm. just one thing after, you know, every mystery opens three more mysteries. Right. You know, it, it, it's uh, so amazing, this universe they've created. Right, yeah. So, yeah, you were talking about all, all the different videos that people have put up on YouTube, and, mm-hmm. and I've been kind of shying away from those because I'm like, damn, I don't know if I want, you know, well, mm-hmm. to be I'm- reiterating what other people are saying, you know, what my ideas t- or notions to be my own, but... At the same right. time, it's like, well, I, I want to know what other people have gleaned or garnered. I mean, I, we would have never known about this book that Mark Frost wrote if it weren't right. for that uh, YouTuber. So, you know. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, I avoid the ones that just say, you know, part eight recap. Well, you know, we do our own recap. We take lots of notes. Yeah. I know what happened in part eight. I don't need anybody to recap stuff for me. Well, that's but... a good point. Yeah, good point. <laughs> Right. But when I but yeah, you can certainly go down a rabbit hole of videos of fan theories. And, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, after I watched this one about the woodsman, this guy had another video that was talking about Philip Jeffries, the David Bowie character that's still a part of this series as well. Um, Yes. Character involved with what's going on now. And I over the telephone away from watching that. Uh, you know, I'm, I kind of feel the same way. You can go down through so many rabbit holes, and there's so much stuff. Oh no, out shit. there. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's you know, I it's you can, and in a, a way, I think what you and I are both saying is we're afraid we're going to lose focus if we do that. If we start looking at all this other stuff, you can you can get so tangential on some of this stuff that it right. will really take you away. It, it almost takes you out of the series. <laughs> Yeah, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good point. All right, man, shall we jump right into episode nine? Yeah, let's jump right into or, episode nine. Part nine? Yeah. Uh, yes, part nine of Twin Peaks. Number nine? Number nine? <laughs> shall we play that uh, lovely Twin Peaks music? Oh, yeah, it's always a joy to hear it. Sure. Falling <laughs> by Julie Cruz. <laughs> okay cool um wow okay yeah twin peaks part nine some crazy shit went went on in this episode dude i'll tell you what. lots of lots of characters lots of definitely lots of exposition lots of characters lots of actors and guest stars and recalls and mm-hmm. just a ton of i mean i you know just a ton of stuff happened in this episode part right. eight was all artsy and part nine was all not all but a lot of exposition yes i mean almost to the point of explaining stuff that's been mysterious to us for a long time 
Yeah. Well, definitely. Yeah. A lot, well, anyway, we'll, we should go. All right. We should go see. see we'll, but yeah, we'll get to it. Things that made me feel like a dick for being an ass about them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, well. Okay. It takes a big man to admit when he's wrong. So exactly. There you go. It's okay. The episode starts. The doppelganger, Bad Cooper, is walking down a dirt road and comes to what well, we find out the entrance to the farm. Yes, owned by farmers. Yes. Who are in the back. Sleeping. Sleeping, yeah. <laughs> well, Whatever let's, that means. All right, so immediately he gets to the gate and uh, they cut to Gordon on a plane somewhere over South Dakota, gets a phone call from Colonel Davis, and Colonel Davis tells him that he needs to meet Lieutenant Cindy Knox in Fuckhorn, South Dakota. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> I don't appreciate your language, Colonel. <laughs> <laughs> right. But actually, it turns out <laughs> Colonel Davis wants Gordon and company to meet uh, Lieutenant Cindy Knox in Buckhorn, South yeah. Dakota, at the police department there. So right after that, they cut back to Bad Cooper is on the farm, and he meets up with Chantal, played by Jennifer Jason Lee, and Hutch, played by Tim Roth. Hey, Tim who knew Tim Roth? Roth? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, all right, that's good to see. Yeah, talk about your uh, um, big star cameo. Yeah. Yeah, so that's pretty awesome. <laughs> okay, then they cut back to the plane again, where Gordon is trying to convince Diane to go to Buckhorn, South Dakota with them. And he explains to her it's regarding a friend of Dale's. And then she says, the Blue Rose case? Yes. <laughs> and then Albert looks at Diane. Diane looks at Albert. And Albert says, I know. Fuck you, Albert. <laughs> and then Cole gets another phone call on the plane. And it's Warden Murphy. Warden Murphy. We also see um, uh -huh. that Diane's phone has been blocked. Right. Now, is it blocked because he's, she's on a FBI plane or... Who knows? Right. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. We don't know exactly why, but yeah, she's not right. getting service for sure. But she definitely gets some service later <laughs> yeah. on that phone that's really kind of creepy, but we're Weird. getting ahead of ourselves. Yep, yep. So Warden Morf Murphy calls and tells Gordon that Cooper has escaped. Cooper <laughs> flew the coop. <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> okay. I was waiting for it. So I was like, wow. Yeah, but as if the warden didn't already, uh, well, yeah. Of course, he didn't <laughs> He didn't say that the warden was in on it. I mean, he didn't admit to that, obviously. For sure, yeah. All right. So they cut back to the farm again. Bad Cooper sends a text message. Then he calls the scared man, Duncan Todd. Mr. Todd. But, yes. he, of course, then you, Cooper sends a text and you see what it says. Yeah, very quickly. You know, you have to... Around, right. around the dinner table, conversation is lively. Yes. Whatever that means. Right, exactly. Yeah. So we don't know what's going on with that text right. message at the moment. But we find out who he sent it to eventually. Right. But that's getting ahead of ourselves. So anyway, when Coop, Bad Cooper calls Duncan Todd, he asks him if if the uh, the hits went off as he had requested. And Duncan Todd says, not yet. And I think Bad Cooper says, well, you better hurry up or something like that. Better be done by the next time I call. There you go. Good. Yep. I'm glad you got the exact quote. <laughs> so, uh, so then, yeah. 
Duncan Todd gets off the phone and he says he hits his intercom and he calls asks somebody to come in. So I, I, I don't know. I can't remember the name of the person he asked to come in. Does, I can't either, but it's the young guy he's been talking to when we've seen him in other scenes. Okay, that makes that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So we're back at the farm, and Bad Cooper tells Hutch he wants him to kill the warden. He said, kill him at home, kill him at work, kill him on the way. I don't care. Right. <laughs> and at the same time, Hutch gives Cooper a bag of something, probably g- guns and an ammo box. What did Cooper say when he first got to the farm? I need some I need some puppies and biscuits. That's what it oh, was. I, something like that, yeah. Puppies and biscuits probably means pistols and bullets, I was assuming. Maybe. But Maybe I don't know. So. Yeah. <laughs> or could <laughs> uh, who knows? Whatever the case. Doesn't matter. But he's he is definitely armed. And then Chantal pulls something out of her pocket and gives it to Cooper. It looks like a bag of chips, but I have no idea what it oh, is. Oh yeah. Yeah, it looks like a bag of potato chips, uh, like a small bag of potato chips. Right. Yeah. What's that yeah. all about? Now, when Cooper first gets to the farm and they greet him, Chantal says something that, that makes Cooper, bad Cooper, look at her funny. Hmm. Like she ca- kn- like she knew what had happened somehow. Well, you know, he shows her his wound and he's still got blood all over him. Yeah. And and, that's true. and he shows her his lifts his shirt up and shows her his wound and mm-hmm. she says, Looks like you was lucky. But right. if, if she really knows what happened or if she just thinks he got shot but survived or you don't really know. Exactly. So we'll find out what's going on there at some point in time. Right. Okay. So anyway, after uh-huh. Go ahead. Cooper also tells Jim Roth, I've got two for you to kill in Vegas. Right. Thank you for, for remembering that. Yeah. There was something in the Which, back of my mind about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So then Cooper leaves in the big truck. After and... Chantel puts a wet one on the boss man. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that she did. She said, I wish I could do more. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny because at the time I was thinking since her last name is Hutchins too, and of course Tim Ross character's Hutch is his nickname because his last name is Hutchins. Yeah. I, I assume they were married, but maybe they're supposed to be brother and sister. Right. Either way is kind of creepy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> yeah. So don't know, don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out. Okay. So... Next scene, Bushnell Mullins, who is Dougie Jones' boss, uh, talks to the Fusco brothers, who are the detectives in Las Vegas. The Three Stooges. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a very good way of putting it. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> and they're trying to figure out why someone would want to kill Dougie. And he's like, right. they try to blow him up and they try to kill him. I don't know what's going on. And... um and Bushnell Mullins, he's got he's got some bee in his bonnet because he stands there for a long time just staring at the detectives and and he's about to say something and then he kind of checks himself and then he makes a fist and then he leaves. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know what all that was about. Maybe it has something to do with what Dougie showed him by drawing ladders on the paperwork or whatever. But yeah, Maybe. you know, I was like, is this Lynch doing his thing where he just him haws around or? <laughs> I don't know. What the fuck's going on here? Yeah. He likes when old men do weird shit. Yeah, he likes, you know, he. I timed it too. There's, you know, there's a scene right after that, not to jump ahead a little, but mm-hmm. where where the Dougie's sitting there and the camera just slowly moves closer to him 
for it takes 30 fucking seconds for that to happen. <laughs> like, like jesus christ are we yeah. and then you can tell dougie's looking at something and you're like are we ever gonna see what he's looking at because you keep waiting for dougie to turn into cooper right to right have some kind of revelation and and yeah. you know i get that's kind of the tension that he's building there but i was like jesus christ 30 seconds come on right okay <laughs> good point but before anyway. but before that yes Dougie's boss comes out and he uh, talks to who he thinks is Dougie. I mean, it's good Cooper, obviously. He said he tells Cooper to take the day off and he says, we'll get together tomorrow and come up with some answers. And Cooper Mm. says, answers. (laughs) (laughs) As as he is wont to do in the past five episodes. Yeah, nine more. episodes, yeah, whatever. Well, just about. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Of course, there was one important piece of information when when Bushnell's talking to the cops, and that's that Dougie was in a car accident and has lingering effects. Yes. Oh, so that's why sometimes no one is concerned when he acts like a complete idiot. Right. Like like a complete like he's had a complete mental breakdown. Yeah, that's why uh, they're cutting him the most slack anybody's ever cut anybody in the history of the world. Right. Yeah. So, but so then, I was I was wrong for being so disbelieving that anyone would ever just be like put up with that shit apparently uh, and not be concerned. Apparently this isn't the first time Dougie's acted this way. <laughs> yeah. He's he's been off before. Yeah. He had uh, a, been a car accident and has lingering effects. Yep. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so, sorry, Lynch and Frost. <laughs> I was such an asshole about the character of Dougie. Yeah. Please forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So after that, the detectives are talking to each other, and they one of them says that, there appears to be no record of Dougie before 1997. No mm-hmm. social security, no, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, nothing. I can't, no work nothing. history, no driver's licenses, no. Right. No. Uh, nothing no about him. Right. And uh, the best the best theory that they can come up with is that he's in witness protection. Right. <laughs> possibly. So anyway, the head Fusco brother decides to talk to Dougie. Because he's got a plan, so he brings him a fresh cup of coffee and exchanges it with the old cup of coffee that uh, Dougie was drinking. He gets the old coffee cup because he wants to get prints and DNA. Wow. Yeah, except he puts his dirty paw all over that coffee cup. Yeah, so, so forget <laughs> about... Yeah, you right. can forget about fingerprints for the most part. But uh, yeah, DNA is still possible, so okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then another police officer comes in, and he says they got uh, information about the palm print that they found on the gun. And it turns Sarge. out... huh? Sarge. Sarge comes it. in. And it turns out that Minvin is Ike the Spike, <laughs> a well-known criminal in the Las Vegas area, yep. apparently. <laughs> so that was kind of a cute and fun scene, and I... Whatever. <laughs> and then they do the long take on Good Cooper's face out waiting in the hallway with uh janie e right and uh, at some point in time janie e finally says you know we're gonna get you to the doctor today i think it was earlier when uh, uh when bushnell, bushnell was, there, was there right yeah but anyway this long scene is of cooper looking at the flag and then All you america st- the beautiful place exactly and he blinks, and then a, a lady with hot legs and red high heels walks by, and he stares at those. And then he looks at the wall socket. 
<laughs> so you're thinking, holy shit, is he going to finally wake up? Is he going to remember being sucked through a giant wall socket? <laughs> I don't know. Tune in tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I sure as shit hope that he wakes up soon. <laughs> it may yeah. not. Yeah, you know, who knows? All right. <laughs> Cutting to the next scene, it's back to Minven, now that we know he's Ike the Spike. And he calls in to his handlers. I assume he's calling uh, Duncan Todd. Well, I wondered maybe he says, this message is for JT. Oh, you're and right. At, yeah. And I thought at first I thought it was Todd, Mr. Todd, too. And then I, when I saw the credits, I'm like, no, his name's Duncan Todd. Who is JT? That's right. driving me crazy. And I, I need to go look at a, a, hmm. a, a cast list and character list because yeah. I just off the top of my head, JT is not ringing a bell. Right. We'll we'll have to look into that. So anyway, yeah. uh, Minvin has called in, and he said he has failed. He says no cigar, taking right. me- taking medical leave uh, for good right. reason. He lost his whole the whole fucking palm of his hand. So yeah, I think I think that's legit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And at that, but also uh-huh. seems like co- like code talk, like taking medical leave, meaning well, I yeah. got hurt, I need to disappear. Right. Of course. You know. Yeah. Yeah, the whole, the entire call, nobody could have really gathered anything that it had to do with a hit job. Right. So, yeah, of course. I'm sure he's well well accustomed to using code over the phone mm-hmm. in the event that there could be taps. Yeah. But uh, the, no taps were required because uh, the cops went straight to where uh, Ike the Spike was staying. They already knew where he was, yep. yeah. And these bumbling oafs easily caught... Uh, Ike the Spike in the hallway. Uh, they had him surrounded, and um, yeah, it's fucked. So, <laughs> I can't well, I rem- tell him, you know, uh, what is from what the gun? They got his palm print. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. In fact, we've got your whole palm. <laughs> <laughs> when, every time that cop laughs, I laugh. I will tell them that when that when he when that there was two or three times where they said stuff, and I just fucking laughed out loud because that cop laughed that goofy laugh oh my um, god after a while though that that goofy laugh was getting to me i'm like shut the yeah, fuck it up didn't, <laughs> it didn't bother me i just kind of went with it okay there's, they have yeah. other yeah. conversations they have those three cops mm-hmm. and that guy they said something semi-amusing but that guy laughed and i laughed out loud i just i can't help it. <laughs> yeah there was one thing and when they were in the office earlier and one of them says i guess these brothers since they're i assume they're brothers they have all these inside jokes and this one guy says remember the australian with the pair of pliers and they all started laughing i was like what, yeah. the, what the fuck are they talking about yeah 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 but you know <laughs> Just random Lynch goofiness. Right. But, you know, it's very, very astute of him because, you know, brothers do have inside jokes that everybody yeah. else hears and are going, what? What the fuck are they talking about? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's probably when you and me are out sometimes we have inside jokes and people around us are like, huh? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that happens. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. All right. So that, I guess that was pretty much all of that scene. Then we cut yep. back to the Twin Peaks Police Department, and apparently Lucy loves the beige chair online, and she wants to order it. Andy, <sighs> uh, <laughs> Andy, to be uh, Andy, on the contrary, loves the red chair. Andy says to get the beige chair, but guess what? Lucy orders the red chair. You know why? Because they love each other. End of scene. It's like what? Why was this scene in? 
this episode? Is it because they oh. promised uh, Harry Goaz and and Kimmy Robertson a certain number of scenes, and so they just they had to put this in? Or is it just? I don't know. I used to love Andy and and Kimmy Robertson's character Lucy. I used to love Andy and Lucy. I thought they were so cute, right. and Funny mm-hmm. and sweet. And now I just want to fucking shoot them in the head. <laughs> They're so stupid and and just pointless. That and, sh- and the whole yeah. thing later on was that. Yeah, later on there's the thing where he's she's like I'm at lunch or whatever. And I'm just like, right. oh Jesus Christ, I can't. I can't take much more of this bitch. Yeah, she says, I'm I'm at lunch. Every last nerve. I'm not here. I'm at lunch. (laughs) I'm at lunch. I wish you were at lunch. Get the (laughs) fuck out of the show. You suck. Jesus. And and then the next scene, a character that we weren't sure we would ever see ever again in the Twin Peaks universe. There's a big hubbub at the Horn household. Who let him out? (laughs) Yes. We hear, who let him out? And then somebody's running around upstairs and down the stairs. And then Johnny Horn bashes his head against the wall. 50-year-old Johnny Horn. Yes. Wait, say say in your Lynch impersonation, say there's a big hubbub at the Horn house or whatever you say. There's a big hubbub at the Horn household. <laughs> oh man! Oh, that's that's golden. That's funny. Jesus. That's funny. I wondered if we would see Johnny Horn, if mm-hmm. he would come up at all. Um, right. Uh, you know, or if that was just going to be something that kind of got left by the wayside. I mean, we're all still wondering if we're going to see Audrey Horn for that matter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we've seen all yeah. of the Horn family so far. We even saw Ben's wife, Sylvia. Who comes yeah. to the aid of Johnny after he knocks himself out, smashing into the wall? Did you notice that he knocked a picture off off the wall that was mm-hmm. of a, a black and white picture of the falls? Yes, yeah. So, th- which is interesting too. Yeah, that was interesting. I don't know if that scene means anything or it was just for fun. Who yeah, knows? I, you know, I think it's I, you know again sometimes sometimes th- Lynch just does things and then. And then we come up with these elaborate theories why he has when it's who knows if it has any re- uh, relevance in reality or not. But it's right. like, did he show us Johnny Horn because we're all waiting for Audrey Horn? And it's like, ha ha, you know, get Audrey Horn, you get Johnny Horn running himself, <laughs> running his head into the wall. And he's out of the series now. Yes, yes. <laughs> he's officially gone. So who knows, though? We will have to wait and see. What happens? Yeah. You if, never know when that yeah. might be something important. Maybe Audrey will come to visit him at the hospital. And oh, yes. Who of knows? course. Of course. Okay. <laughs> we shall find out. So next scene, we oh, see. The greatest scene. Yes. So <laughs> the one, great. The Are we talking about the same one? Deputy Bobby. Yeah. And Sheriff Truman and Hawk go to visit Mrs. Betty Briggs. Yeah. At her home, wow. and wow. she she what greets a, them. Just a beautiful uh-huh. Lynchian scene. It, yeah, it was okay. Now that you mention it, and uh, while they're there, she tells them that Garland knew that they would come one day and ask about Agent Cooper, mm-hmm. and she goes to a large chair. Oh my God! You left out so much stuff. Well, <laughs> okay. 
Let's. I, says, there's there's a lot of heart in this scene. That's true. Oh, so go go I ahead. Mean, go ahead. I you know I've always liked Bobby Briggs's character. I mean, when he was younger, he was incredibly cute. Yes. Um, but you know, and we've talked before uh, the scene with Bobby and and Major Briggs at, at the diner that in in the series is one of that scene sticks with me and will stick with me to my dying day. Mm-hmm. So that whole relationship, uh, that whole thing, the evolution of Bobby from the kind of troubled teen yeah. to being a, a cop now and a good person just m- makes my heart full. <laughs> it just, I just love that. And him and his mom together, I mean, and she's right. telling the story and he starts to get teary eyed and I got teary eyed and, it That's was just true. great. Doesn't she but, say um, something about, you know, Garland uh, knew and saw what your life would, would become? Yeah. And it was, yeah, she, it was a beautiful moment. I'm sorry for glossing she, over it. She tells him, you're a long way from where you are now. Your father never lost faith in you. Wow. <sighs> Just <laughs> but I also love the thing where she's telling them, you know, this whole thing about he told me you would come and he, you know, and I didn't know it would be this Sheriff Truman and all this. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. And she's telling this story and he told me when you come to give you this and right. they're all sitting there waiting for the next second. And then she's like, do you want some coffee? <laughs> like, no, no. Keep talking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> OK, then she goes to the big chair. Yes. And pushes a secret button, and a little piece of wood on the top of the chair pops open, and she pulls out a metal tube about four inches long out of a secret compartment in the chair, yeah. and she gives it to Sheriff Truman. Yes, yeah. Then, yes. then they have coffee. Yes, and I'm sure it was <laughs> delicious. <laughs> just a great, just a, a, a you know, a really great touching scene that I I got teary eyed. I thought it was perfect that the lady who plays Bobby's mother. It was so great to see her on the show again. And yeah, yeah, after all just this one time. of those mm-hmm. highlights of the show, as far as I'm concerned, that was a real highlight of this series. That that moment. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll buy that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So cutting to the next scene, mm-hmm. Gordon, Albert, Tammy. And Diane are meeting with uh, Lieutenant Cindy Knox at the morgue. Uh huh. Where are they? Where does Where does Gordon say they are? They are in Fuckhorn, South. I mean, Buckhorn, South Dakota. No. Well, yes. But <laughs> remember, they walk into the room, and he says the waiting room. Oh, I didn't. I didn't write that any. I don't remember. Oh. I don't remember that. But, oh, the the reason I remember that is because that's what they call the room in the lodge where Dale Cooper's been. Okay, the, good. That's called the waiting room. Mm, okay. So I, I thought that was a clever kind of, not not a pun, I don't know what you would call that, but uh-huh. a clever kind of a joke because, of course, Gordon doesn't know that's what it's called. But And, <laughs> and also, uh-huh. uh, the waiting room is just an interesting term when you think about it. The waiting room, the room yeah. where you wait. <laughs> you know, it's like yes. a, they actually have named a room where you, where all you're doing there is waiting. The waiting room. And why would there be a waiting room in a morgue? Are there any people waiting to die? Come on. Good question. Really good question, man. <laughs> okay, so they all they all are going in to look at the body of what they think to be as Major Briggs or what they've been told is Major Briggs' body. And Diane is not interested in going to have a look. And she decides she's going to smoke. 
And <laughs> someone tells her, you can't smoke that in here. And she goes, it's a fucking morgue. It's a fucking morgue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I laughed out loud. That was so fucking funny. Yeah. I just thought that was great. It was. And then as they leave the room, Diane gets a text message. And what does the text message say? Around the dinner table, the conversation is lively. What does that mean? Oh, so now we know who the doppelganger was sending a text message to. But why? Why is he yes. sending her a text message? And why? Yeah. Why would if she I mean, if that's some code that they have. I know. Uh, yeah. Is she how Are, can she be in on it? Because she was so profoundly disturbed at seeing right. the doppelganger. Yeah. Why? What is that all about? Yeah. Oh. Uh, How could could Bad Cooper and her be in cahoots somehow? Does Diane have a doppelganger also that tells everyone fuck you? What's going on? Wow. Because that Diane is not the Diane you expected. Exactly. So I... Tune in next week, right? <laughs> As you said earlier. So that's crazy shit. So um, Detective Mackley starts telling them about uh, Ruth Davenport's head on the body of uh, Major Briggs. And the whole story about how Hastings' wife uh, was killed by the lawyer and, and Hastings and, and Ruth were having an affair and and all that shit. And Albert goes, well, what happens in season two? I lost my shit. I thought that was hilarious. That was hilarious. What happens in season two? That was just so fucking brilliant. I and, and boy, no one can deliver a line like that like uh, Miguel Ferrar. It was exactly. just. I mean, that was like a fucking punchline that actually hits you in the stomach. I laughed so hard. Hell yeah! What Mac- happened in season? What happened in season? <laughs> Right, because it did it did sound like a, a soap opera story, right? Exactly. Yeah, he's telling the story of what we've already seen and know. Yeah, <laughs> freaking no. Uh, yeah, Albert has some of the funniest lines throughout this episode. I mean, they are oh, great. Yes. Yeah. But immediately after um, Gordon, I mean, Albert says that Gordon says apologies in advance for Albert, which is what what um, Cooper says. When Albert appears in the series to, to Truman, there oh. it's in fact it's in, when they're in the morgue looking at Laura Palmer. He says something insensitive wow. and very similar. Uh, Cooper says apologies in advance for Albert. Okay, see that's a callback. Yeah, that I didn't remember. So yeah. thank you for that. Wow. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah. The only thing too, by the way, that that just a quick second here that mm-hmm. that in that whole story when Mackley is explaining everything that we've seen so far with William Hastings story yes. yeah. the only thing i think that we didn't know unless we knew and, and i forgot is that um that cooper comes in bad cooper comes in and kills the wife he uses the lawyer's gun to do it the right. lawyer go they say they have the lawyer in custody mm-hmm. and then they also say the next day hastings secretary died in a car explosion yeah. Which I don't think we saw. No. I, I'm pretty sure we did not. The only car so, explosion we saw was Dougie's car, and I'm pretty right. sure that uh, the, a secretary was not a car thief. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I thought that was interesting. So there's, yeah, a few things happened towards the end that we hadn't actually, didn't actually know and didn't see. But yeah, what a great line from Miguel Ferrar. That was just so great. So. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, I think Mackley continues and he, he was telling them that Principal Hastings had been blogging about an alternate dimension. Yes. Which was... Uh, quite interesting. So then right after that, I think Albert takes Gordon aside and they're talking and he seems well, to be sh- shocked about the whole age discrepancy of the body that they have in right. the morgue. Did I miss something right. before that? There's just a thing where Albert's reading about the blog and he says, the last entry to the blog said, today we finally entered what we call the zone and we met the major. Ah, okay. Okay. All right. Good. And then, yeah, then they that. start talking about the age of the body and how, mm-hmm. uh, Gordon and Lynch, uh, Gordon and um, Albert go in the hallway and start talking about um, how Major Briggs, how, Major Briggs' body would be seventy-two years old if he were alive today. Right? Yeah. So, right. And I think but that was the, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. The body that they have it's is like, the age that they. He says we Briggs would have been seventy-two. We thought mm-hmm. he died in a fire in that government facility outside Twin Peaks about twenty-five years ago. Yeah. About the age this man is now. Uh huh. Right. So yeah, it's which is like about okay, late forties or so. I think right. they had said earlier. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Of course, there's some more later in the episode as well, but it it seems like when when Briggs died 25 years ago, Mm -hmm. or they thought he did, he went somewhere where his body did not age. Yes, and we will find out more information about that later on in the episode, like you said. Um, Then they talk to Mortician Constance, and she shows them the ring inscribed, uh, uh, was it, to Dougie with love, Janie E., yeah, and of course yeah. they, they have no idea what that means yet. But uh, at some point in time, I assume that they will. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. But that's all the information I have about that particular scene. Yeah, that's all I had. I mean, that okay. well, there was the thing where um, they just made it clear that like Cooper and Briggs disappeared around the same time twenty five years ago. Yeah, that that is the other thing they mentioned. Right, that's quite a revelation because we certainly didn't know that from the last episode of season two right Mm -hmm. all right so of course at that point cole says that they want to talk to william hastings right yes and then you describe the next scene and i'll sigh (laughs) (laughs) all all i've got for the next scene jerry horn has a talking foot (laughs) i am not your foot oh god (laughs) Crazy Jerry bullshit in the woods. Yeah, what what the <laughs> hell is going on? Is it just that he's high as a fucking kite, or is there something really going on? I don't know. I yeah. Uh, At this I, point, I, I think it's just comedy relief. I think that's what it's supposed to be, too. I can't believe it means anything, but, you know. We it's need... nice of Lynch to give his <laughs> former actors work in the new series even right. if it's completely meaningless and boring we need to kill some time between the scene in the morgue and the police station <laughs> <laughs> something like that yes because then they cut to an even sillier well it's silly at the beginning of the next scene but it's it, it gets more significant as the scene goes on uh, oh, it's yeah. it's lunchtime at Twin Peaks PD, and Lucy's at lunch. She's not there, even though she is there eating a sandwich. <laughs> and so Truman and Hawk and is Bobby Are with you, them? Wait, wait, uh-huh. I'm sorry. Are All you right. saying there's two Lucys? <laughs> uh, sure. No. <laughs> I've, I, 
I don't get it. <laughs> I hope I hope because there's Lucy who's having lunch and is there, and Lucy who's having lunch and isn't there. Oh right, yes, there's, there's yes. two Lucy. Oh my God! So it all plays into Lynch's themes. Yeah, of two Lucy's and duality. Two Chalfonts. <laughs> Two Coopers. <laughs> Two lunches. <laughs> Two lunches. Right. Oh, man. So they go into the uh, conference room, and Truman has to kick Chad the asshole out of the conference room, and he takes his sweet time getting out of there with his fucking food. With his two TV dinners. Right, and a bowl of soup. Yes, and newspaper, and I don't know what all he's got. <laughs> exactly. So it's kind of silly. But then they get then Truman and and Bobby and Hawk get down to business. So Truman is mm-hmm. looking at the tube, and he's like, I, I, I don't know how to open this. And Hawk suggests, well, maybe there's a secret switch on there. And secret, like, was it switch? Secret uh, button or secret switch? Maybe a button, I, whatever. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to yell, if it was a secret, you wouldn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or if it's hidden. It was a hidden yeah. Yeah, it's a hidden button. Yeah. Is there a hidden button? If it was hidden, he you wouldn't, wouldn't see, see it, it, Hawk. Exactly. <laughs> So Bobby's leaning against the window, kind of chuckling to himself. And they're like, well, do you know how to, you know, it's like, what are you laughing about? Do you know how to open right. it? And obviously, you know Bobby says, we don't know. Yeah, yeah, Bobby does know how to open it by chance. So he tells them that they need to go outside. And uh, so Bobby takes the little tube and he bounces it off the concrete and then he picks it up and it's making some kind of a tone kind of a, a ringing or humming sound a hum like the hum yeah. of electrical lines or the hum of Ooh. the noise in Ben Horn's office oh yeah <laughs> there it is so then he takes it and he bounces it off the concrete once again and it pops open and what's right? inside there's a note inside and the note says that something's gonna happen in the next two days at Jack Rabbit Palace. Right. It's like Jack Rabbit Palace, and Bobby tells them he knows what Jack Rabbit Palace is, a special place that he and his dad used to go to. And as a matter of fact, Bobby himself named it Jack Rabbit Palace. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, important things on that piece of paper. Yes. the It tells them to go 253 yards east of Jackrabbit Palace. Right. It also tells them to be there at 253. Okay. And 253 is something that we've heard before. It was 253 when Cooper went through the electrical outlet in that room. Really? Uh-huh. Oh, and that's yes. Somebody says something about remember uh, two, 253 being important. I can't remember... I have to go back through my notes and see right. what that was. And Bad Cooper was was waiting to throw up when he wrecked his car until yeah, after two fifty three. Yeah. Yes, and that's when that's when the good Cooper came back through the electrical outlet. Mm-hmm. So two hundred fifty three yards east of Jackrabbit Palace, and it also says that they should be there uh, at at two fifty three p.m. I think it says. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And then it says that uh, Truman says that's two days from now, and the dates on there are ten one October first and October second. So that means it's September twenty ninth, and that is also reemphasized later on that, that the date is September twenty ninth that all this is happening. Ooh, so I can't wait to see what happens when they go out there. Yeah. Okay. There, there were two pieces of paper inside the tube. Also, yeah. 
Yes. Before that, can I ask you one thing? Yes, please So do. Bobby also says he knows where Jack Rabbit Palace is, mm-hmm. and he says it's near where our station used to be. And I'm not sure what the state, what station he's talking about. Any uh, any idea on that one? Air Force Station. Oh. Maybe. Oh, is there? Oh, oh, yeah. Maybe that's the place where the fire was that Briggs supposedly was killed. That yeah, the government facility outside of Twin Peaks. Yes. Or I, in my mind, I thought it was going to be the place where well, the area where uh, Cooper went into the woods, and then there were the red curtains that you kind of saw, like the entrance to the Black Lodge. Uh huh. Oh, I wondered if that's where it was going to be. Where that that pit of uh, burnt engine oil is? Yes, yeah. Ah, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right. That makes sense. It may, t- hmm. it may take us all of the next uh, 10 episodes or 9 episodes to get to October 1st. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, it's probably true. So, but... Okay, so anyway, the second little piece of paper that was inside of the tube is the is a clipping of the uh, printout that Major Briggs showed to Cooper back in season two mm-hmm. that said, um, I, I think it said, it either said owls or owls are not, the what, owls they are s- not what they seem. Are not what they yeah. seem. And then it also said Cooper twice. Cooper, Cooper. Yeah. Cooper. And, and Hawk says, two Coopers. Which just blew my mind. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just like, oh, wow. Two Coopers. Because you just see Cooper Cooper, you just think it's repeating. You don't really think about it. And then when he said two Coopers, I was just like, oh, yeah. that's the whole key to what's happening. Right. They just so, hit us over the head yeah. with that one finally. I, mm-hmm. I, I just want to say about that scene too, again, I loved when Bobby's talking about naming it Jack Rabbit Palace and mm-hmm. rem, you know, telling that whole story and right. that look in his eyes of, you know, of uh, he's like in awe of his father all this time later and mm-hmm. uh, again warmed my little heart. Yeah. It was it's so sweet. Thinking back wistfully. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All yeah. right. The very next scene I have one sentence written. And I've got a big sigh for it. Okay. Gordon craves a cigarette. That's all I got. Oh. I got <laughs> Cole, Tammy, and Diane outside mm. uh cigarette talk. All right. It was just you know, another time wasting scene of two minutes where they're you know, Lynch used to be a big smoker and he quit. Mm-hmm. And so for him to take a puff on a cigarette in that scene, I, you know, it, it's almost like an inside joke or an inside reference. Could but be. it was just such a boring, god awful scene that I just wanted to pull my hair out. Yeah. I, I think he puts those scenes in there like that as palate cleansers. To, oh, I, I agree. You know. I think you're right. I think that, that's part of it. That's the I only think, reason for that. I mean, I think, you know, and I think he thinks it's all about pacing with him. So the slower the pace, I, you know, slow pacing is his trademark, I, I guess you would say. And it's something like, and I think he thinks that's funny. I think it, it definitely builds tension because you're just sitting there going, is anything fucking going to happen or not and um so your kind of builds tension it does it is a palate cleanser um and i think in a certain way lynch thinks it's clever or or funny or something mm-hmm. i right. just find it it's i love lynch i really <laughs> do but and i know i complain uh, a lot but things like that uh you know i loved the 
I don't know if I loved it, but I got the whole thing when he's doing the close up on on Cooper sitting there and he, you get closer and closer because it's building that tension of is mm-hmm. Cooper finally going to emerge out of right. Dougie he's going to get the real Cooper finally. Sure. Is he's he going to have that breakthrough. He's going to get tension, there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the tension of all the uh, audience members going, fuck, will he wake up already? Yeah. That's yeah. All that wake is. up. You've got to wake up. Um, <laughs> right. But the. But the tension of the three of them outside mm-hmm. with a cigarette, uh, there uh, to me, the only tension there is: is anything fucking going to happen that that matters during right. this scene, or is it just a fuck off scene? Yeah, I mean, and how, it's just a fuck off scene, right? How long is is uh, yeah, Gordon staring at cigarette before anything is even said or done? At least yeah. th- thirty seconds, at least. I mean, I th- you know, it felt I, like an you, hour. Right. You've got. I mean, it, it's interesting if you're a huge fan of Lynch because. Because of the cigarette, because we all, well, most people who are big fans know that he used to smoke a lot and he quit. And then we also know that he's known Laura Dern since she was a young woman, a teenager. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of history between them. And there's a lot, they exchange glances a lot through that whole scene. And it's in a way, there's some unspoken things there, but. For the most part, it's just infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Enough said about that then, I think. Yes. Yeah. All right. Because now we move to the most, to the best scene of the entire episode. The, if not the entire series yeah, ever. The most the information mother. laid on us at one time. The I mean, mother load. Yeah. I mean, this. it's Agent Tammy is interviewing Principal Hastings, played by Matthew Lillard as we said earlier, and he is a blubbering mess. But in his, all of his blubbering, he says a whole hell of a lot. He, Lots of info. So it turns out that he had written a blog called The Search for the Zone, and he's talking to her, and he's telling her it's real, it's all real. And Tammy says, so you wrote in your blog that you met the major what did you mean by that? And he says it's 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 a different dimension. Uh, I do a lot of reading. Um, and he says Ruth was very good at uncovering hidden records. Right. If we went to a certain place at a certain time, we would enter another dimension and meet a certain person. Okay. Now, is he talking about the Black Lodge or the White Lodge? I'm curious to find out what that's going to be. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I he didn't said, even think about it as being the Lodge. I just thought of it as being... Right. Uh, what he said, another another place. And they're going to make con and make contact with a certain person. And so and then he says, and so we went there and they said the major was hiding there or hibernating, as he said, mm-hmm. for 25 years, maybe. Yeah. And he said, and and other people were maybe going to find him and he wanted to go to a different place. So he asked us to get him numbers, important numbers, coordinates coordinates and yep. we found them in the place that he told us to go a secure military database right ruth had written them on her hand so she wouldn't forget we brought which him is, yeah which go ahead. is why we assume that her body is missing right exactly so that's some crazy shit and he said we brought him back the numbers last thursday and something terrible happened. These others came in, and they grabbed me by the back of the neck, and they pushed me down and said, What's your wife's name? What's your wife's name? Phyllis, I said. 
And he said, I didn't kill Ruth. And um, I then, loved her. Yeah, that's it. And then he that's says, it. "I, you know, his well, acting in this it was so amazing. Oh, my God. He was he, fully invested in this uh, scene. Yeah. Oh. And it was so easy to believe him as a person who mm-hmm. who had gone through this experience and was now in prison and was completely unhinged you know, by the experience by it and mm-hmm. and completely confused and completely lost. And the thing where then he starts going, it's all my fault. I mean, that, you know, which right. is what someone in that, exactly what someone in that position would say. It's yeah. all my fault. And I'm, you know, because. This woman he loves has died, mm-hmm. and he's been through this incredibly crazy experience. Right. Oh, my heart just broke. I started sobbing. I mean. <laughs> I agree. And then there's more. There's even more, but oh, I, th- there's, his acting yeah. in this just blew me away. I know, and, and, and a lesser actor would have made this come off as comical, but. Yes. You know. And it's funny because. Because you almost laugh a couple times when he starts getting into the rest of the, right. the dialogue, because it's almost absurd. But it's absolutely it's, it sounds absurd to someone who doesn't know what we know as as right. uh, watchers right. of the show. But yeah, and well, well, I mean, the stuff where he starts talking about we were going to go to Bermuda and and right. yes. uh, or the Bahamas, whichever it was, Bahamas, and yeah, Bahamas, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's just almost silly. Because he's here, he isn't going through all this horrible stuff, and he's talking about a vacation they were going to take. But that's right. exactly what well, yeah. someone in his would say. I mean, they had plans, man. They had freaking yeah. plans. He lo- yeah, he loved this woman. I mean, you truly, be- you know, you know, he really did love this woman. Oh yeah, yeah. So, but after that, um, Tammy shows him a photo lineup. And asks him to identify Major Briggs, and he picks the correct picture. So, yes. at that point, she is believing. So she asks him to circle it and sign it and date it. And he dates it September twenty Ooh, yeah. Good so observation. Yeah. Oh, shit, the man. Same day. Okay. The same day that Bobby and and Sheriff Truman and Hawk find the the capsule or or open the capsule okay wow things are things are converging yeah (laughs) so um so then he uh uh, principal hastings said we gave him the numbers and he started to float up and he said some words cooper cooper uh then he said right before his head disappeared yes (laughs) what the fuck how it was like it was like something no one has ever seen before. I've never seen anything like it. You don't know. Like it. <laughs> you don't know you weren't there. It was beautiful. Yeah, that was the weird part. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. And then he says, and then Ruth was dead. It was so terrible. Yeah. And I had to hold her. And then I woke up in my house. I was in my home. I was in my home. Right. And oh, they, that, that. Yeah. Oh, I that, can still hear him doing yeah. it in the home. I know. I mean. Jesus, I, that scene! I'll never. That's like right. it's one of those scenes I'll just never forget. That mm-hmm. I mean, I've always liked Matthew Lillard. I've always thought he was an interesting actor, but he's he yes. hasn't really done a lot of serious stuff. But right. this scene was like, if the, I mean, this scene is mega beyond what we've seen from other actors. It, it's amazing. Yes, so good, so okay. good. And, and then, then <laughs> I'm sorry, and it keeps going. There's more. I know. And then Tam, <laughs> Tammy said. Did Major Briggs kill Ruth? And then he says, there were so many people there. 
I'm like, yeah. what? Well, he definitely says no. He says no to that question. Right. He, he says, says no. There were so many people there. were so many yeah. people there. And it's like, who are all these people? Is it people from the the room above the convenience store? Right. Or who? Is it the woodsman? Who is it? There were so many people there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that's some weird shit. And then, then he talks about, yeah, they were playing. They were going to go to the Bahamas and they were going to go scuba diving and all this stuff. And, you know, he... Like you said earlier, so heartfelt and and real. I mean, he he brought that scene to life, of oh, course. He did. But he then, totally buy into you know, you totally buy into that scene. You definitely. believe every word that he says. Uh, the other thing, uh, not to to go off, but uh, uh-huh. the other go thing ahead. I thought about was other directors would try and shoot a scene and show you mm-hmm. that scene. Mm. But no, Lynch just tells us about it, has his actor tell us about it, yes. his character tell us about it, and it's way more vivid and brilliant and yeah. mind blowing than anything you could ever show us. Right. You I know? mean, it's it's, it's 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 totally what they call theater of the mind. Yes. Your yes, mind can conjure exactly. up images that are way more vivid than anything that could be. Uh, put to film yes yeah that's so true and Mm -hmm. Lillard just nails it it's so great because your mind you just follow you see everything he's saying in your mind and of course we're all seeing different things but Mm -hmm. uh, yeah it's such an amazing scene yes and after that impassioned impassioned soliloquy by Matthew Lillard Albert says fruitcake anyone (laughs) which pissed me off of course because it's just a (laughs) shitty thing to say but it is but apologies in advance for Albert, but exactly just, uh, because right. there's there's when he's telling the story and they cut to Albert and and mm-hmm. the other people listening, they yeah. all are emotionally affected by what he's saying. Even yeah. even Albert, you I, can tell he's getting to Albert, but of course Albert can't let that go. He's got to right. He's got to say something shitty, which is you know that's so Al- that's so Albert. It is. I <laughs> well, I think that's that's Albert's suit of armor. You know, yeah, his acerbic tongue, it, it, yeah, defense mechanism is a very good way of putting it. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. I love that. I just, that mm-hmm. scene for me, I'll never forget that scene. And the first time I saw, I went back and watched it the second time. It was so good, but, oh, it, and it was just as good absolutely. the second time. But yeah, it's unlike, yeah. I think it's unlike just about any scene we've ever seen mm-hmm. for sure on television. And there's this, there's a movie. Have you ever seen the movie Monsters Ball with Halle Berry? Yes. There's a scene where her son dies. And then there's a scene after that. Where where her and uh, Billy Bob Thornton have sex, and then afterwards they're mm-hmm. talking, and she's crying, and then she's laughing about her son, and he was fat, and you know, and uh-huh. it's that same thing where she has all these emotions running through her, and she's just talking, and it it's funny, and it's sad and heartbreaking, and I think that's the only scene I've ever seen that was anywhere close to this scene. Ah, okay. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. it reminded me of that. But okay. other than that, I couldn't. I don't think we've ever seen anything like that in a television series. Yeah, that was it. it was brilliant, uh, phenomenal. And like I said, yeah, I had, I had to see that scene multiple times just yeah. to just to lock on to all the information that he conveyed about what happened. Absolutely, just yeah. So a lot. so much going on at once. Just yeah. crazy, crazy. All right. Yeah. So then you almost need like. I'm just like, oh, that scene. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It was a great scene. Oh, my gosh. It it was. All right. It was. So then they cut back to the 
Great Northern Hotel where Ben Horn and Beverly are discussing uh, yet again the odd sound that they're hearing in that room. Yes, and the they're hum. walking around. Yes, the hum that they're hearing, and they they've kind of localized it to one corner of the room by the lamp. And while they're there, they embrace each other. Right. They talk about how uh, she says the tone has kind. It's it's kind of a mesmerizing tone. She says. Oh, that's. And he right. says, he uh-huh. says, it sounds like the ring out of a monastery bell. The right. tone has the same quality, otherworldly. Yes. Like, so, what's going on there? <laughs> so, at first I was thinking, well, this scene's a throwaway. But then I was like, well, just by him saying that, it kind of opens the door up to, yeah, a lot of some things. And like you said, like we said earlier about the... The humming that tube made when Bobby slammed it on the on the ground yeah. as well. And, yeah. yeah, the hum of the electrical cords and, or electrical lines and power lines and yeah. all those things, mm-hmm. all those Lynch. You know, I think we've talked about Lynch is the um, is the sound designer for this this third season, this series, yes. whatever you want to call yes. it. Yes, um, and he, you know, and sound design has always been important in his films. Oh hell yeah. yeah. And you know, he erase your head. Right. And and even the elephant man, all of them, you know, the sound design is so vital to what you see. Oh, hell and yeah. um he is this, all this, over it, man. Yeah. Uh-huh. This is no exception. And yep. it's very important that he that people have noted that he did the sound design for this series uh completely on his own. I mean, I know he had help, but he's he's put a, a big chunk of himself in in the sound of this series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was interesting. Yeah. Okay, then we cut to the next scene, and it's DJ night at the Bang Bang Bar. <laughs> or so it seems. That's what I wrote, the first thing I wrote when I when right. it first started up. And it turns out it was a the Scottish DJ Hudson Mohawk doing his DJ song, Human. Okay, apparently. yeah, whatever. I was like, something, yeah, whatever. So, something for the kids. Yeah, apparently, yeah, because I, ne- <laughs> I had never heard of uh, DJ Hudson Mohawk before. Me either, yeah. So luckily, they didn't linger on him too long. They they cut to a blonde sitting at a booth in the Bang Bang Club and a brunette. They're both 20-something. Maybe the brunette's a little older. Two girls, Ella and Chloe, sit in a booth together. You know Zebra's out again, the blonde says <laughs> to the brunette. And I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about? Well, they both laugh about it, whatever that's supposed to mean. And then the blonde goes on and tells how she lost a job at a hamburger joint. And blah, blah, blah. And then she says something about Penguin. Have you seen that penguin? And then they laugh. (laughs) And she goes, what penguin? That penguin. Yeah, they laugh and laugh. But the blonde, and this is the weird part, the blonde has some kind of a weird rash under her arm. What the fuck is that? And she keeps scratching at it and obviously making it worse. (laughs) It does. Like, um, is this, is this the modern day version of Laura Palmer who gets involved in some bad shit? Yeah. Or did she just, uh, did she scissor with her girlfriend, but her girlfriend scissored her armpit? What the fuck happened there? Instead. (laughs) No, the the blonde girl is is played by a famous singer, Sky something, Sky Ferraria or something. Yes, yes, that is correct. I don't know anything about her. I've heard of her before, Mm -hmm. um, and I've heard some of her music and you know, I wasn't particularly impressed, but I know a lot of people really like her and are into her music. So I thought that was kind of interesting for that. For some reason, she played this role, which may or may not 
have anything to do with anything. Yeah, but uh, that that rash has me wondering. Does does it tie yeah. into anything? Did she pick up a disease from the doppelganger somehow? Right. Yeah. Has what's, she had any contact with? I don't know what's going on there. Right. Did she? Maybe she got it from uh, Shelley's daughter's boyfriend husband. <laughs> whatever. His, I can't remember what his name is now. Um, yeah, yes, it's just so either. weird, so random and weird. And it, mm-hmm. you know, I was thinking too about like the scene a couple weeks ago where that we're in the, the roadhouse and mm-hmm. Green Onions is playing, and then at the end, uh, yeah. Renault takes the phone call, and it's about some obviously about some teenage prostitutes and stuff. Some and like, some straight A whores, right? Yeah. And I, I'm like, is this is all of this just Lynch kind of showing us that Twin Peaks is still kind of what it was it's still a little small Mm -hmm. town with a dark underbelly where there's whores and nasty rashes and you know venereal disease and and murder and you know all these other things is that what he's trying to show us or is this all going to mean something else Mm. and we may have nine episodes to find out tune in yes we're 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 at the halfway (laughs) point that's right yeah yep yep we're halfway there Okay, so mm-hmm. of course at the end we had another song from Au Revoir Simone. I don't know why they get to do two songs, but they do. I guess Lynch likes them a lot. They did I a song called A Violent Yet Flammable World. <laughs> I like Au Revoir Simone. Yeah, they're okay. Yeah, I, I I have nothing against them. You know, I'm not sure I'd go to a Au Revoir Simone concert, but I might. Right, I might. If they were in town, I'd be like, hey, that's that band that was on Twin Peaks twice. Yeah. Uh, let's go see yeah. them. See what the hell Lynch <laughs> sees in them. <laughs> yeah. But they're, so, yeah, they're pleasant. Yeah, they, their music's good. They sound I, good. I, they're, they're, heard, they've been around for a while, too. Yeah, and they're easy on the eyes, so why not? Yeah, and then credits rolled. And credits rolled. <laughs> We're back to the Which, having a band play at the end, and then halfway through their song, the credits start. Right. It was almost kind of a comfort to us at the end right. of yeah. such a tumultuous episode. You needed that. You needed that yeah. to be brought back down to something right. familiar. Yeah. Help us. Yeah. Help us decompress a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. While we scratch our rash. <laughs> <laughs> That girl has the rashiest armpit I ever saw. Oh my god, it was it was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. I just love, you know, one thing I love about Lynch is, you know, the last episode was the crazy artsy mm-hmm. surreal episode. Yes. Which had, you know, people people it's it reminded me of when the first time we saw the red room the, mm-hmm. the red curtain room um on the original series you know people talked about that for days afterwards oh yeah what did it mean where was that what was that all about i mean of you course know, and, yeah and then this uh part eight with with all the stuff that happened with the nuclear mm-hmm. bomb and all that mm. um had people talking you know for two weeks waiting for the next episode and i think it's really yeah. cool that like only Lynch can get away with some things like that, where it's like we have probably what it was one of the most artistic and odd and unique um, episodes. Right. And then the next episode has a scene in it that's probably one of the most beautifully acted monologues mm-hmm. in television history. <laughs> yeah. With Lynch, you get everything. You, you He isn't just good at one thing. He, 
he, he can be completely artistic and, and ethereal and artsy, I guess, for lack of a better word. And right. then he can be completely right dialogue that and have actors deliver it that is amazing. The most amazing scene you've ever seen. Well, the man, you know, the man yeah. can do anything. That's why we've been fans of his for, you know, 30 years, right? Yep. Yeah. He's got staying power and he stays relevant and he stays interesting. And yes. he's proven and that time and time again. I think that's what, you know, the that's what was interesting about the original Twin Peaks is there mm-hmm. were these weird, oddball, crazy, quirky, interesting, dark. Yeah unlike anything else on TV moments. Mm-hmm. And then there would be soap opera moments, but the soap opera moments were kind of well-written and, and as good as a, as a film yeah. that you would see at a theater. And that's <laughs> kind of what we're still getting, you know, yep. from this series. Sure. Oh yeah. I, yeah, I have nothing but praise for uh, this third season, 25 years after the fact. Uh, I'm loving it. Uh, me too. Me yeah, too. I, I know I bitch a lot. No, well, yeah, but that's you only bitch about the things you really care about. That's true. Mm. It's and you know uh, I, I bitch because I love it, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> it right. gives me all these feelings, tons yeah. of feelings, well, good and bad. Well, I'm glad that we're both able to share this, you know, this experience. Because I don't know what I'd be doing if I didn't have somebody to talk to about this new series. Because nobody at work cares about it. You yeah, know, no nobody's one my watching it. Talks about it. Uh, I mean, you know, maybe Sierra, but she never saw... Well, she did watch all of the original series, that's true. But uh, right. I, don't, I don't think she's seen Firewalk with me yet. But, uh, yeah, I, I get to... But it wouldn't be the same as somebody who saw the original series back in the day, you know. It makes yeah. a difference, because you you've had... Like you loved it. Right, you've had 25 years to think about it as as as, as I have, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and to, yes. And to long for something more and finally it's happened and so it. everything is right with the world except for the fact that trump is president right now <laughs> wow that is lynchian that is very lynchian, man. <laughs> all right absurd yes it, it is indeed <laughs> so, all right cool all right man good episode and yeah. uh it's we're like right at uh, hour 40 minutes right now so, um, Man. I guess we should just uh, cut it out here and say uh, slide in next week for another fabulous episode of A Slippery Slope. Fruitcake, anyone? I'm not going to talk about Judy. In fact, we're not going to talk about Judy at all. We're going to keep her out of it. Gordon? I know, Coop. Who do you think this is there? Suffered some bumps in the old noggin, ain't so. What the hell did he say there, Albert? That special agent Dale Cooper. For God's sakes, Jeffries, where the hell have you been? You've been gone down here two years. I sure as hell want to tell you everything. I got a Yeah.
convenience store. Something. And then there they were. 